Nation. Welcome to the Credible Nerds Podcast. This is the Marvel Avengers Review Series, and we are the Credible Nerds. My name is Justin, and as always, I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Episode 7 of our Marvel Avengers Review Series. We'll be talking about Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers. The background of this film is that it came out in 2012, and it was directed by Joss Whedon. And I think... That was a big move back in 2012 because Joss Whedon hadn't really directed any big films. I mean, he had done uh, Firefly and then the movie Serenity, which was based off Firefly. And he'd done, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, you know, so he'd done some big TV projects. But as far as big movies, I think this was his first go around, if I'm correct. Do you remember anything about that, about Joss Whedon, Mark? No, I mean... I know he had done uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I didn't know he did Firefly. So, um, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, I think he did you know a pretty decent job with the Avengers. They brought him back for the second Avengers. So must have yeah. done something right. Yeah, yeah. So he got involved with that. I think he also wrote the movie, or was at least involved in the writing of the movie. Uh, so this and this movie stars Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, a.k.a. Natasha Romanov, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, the Hulk, Jeremy Renner is Hawkeye, and what was his, his real name? Clint? Clint Barton. Yeah, Clint Barton. Tom Hiddleston played Loki again. Uh, this was the second movie in a row that he was able to play Loki. And I think that was a strong point uh, for him to be able to, you know, go back to back on, on this character and in this universe. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, again, Nick Fury. Clark Gay- Gregg as Agent Coulson. Paul Bettany was Jarvis in this movie. Mm-hmm. One of Paul Trolls back as Pepper Potts. And we see Colby Smolders for the first time as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I can't remember her name off the bat. And then Stellan Skarsgård is back as well. Oh. Maria Hill? Yeah, Maria Hill, Agent Hill. She she was in others though, wasn't she? Yeah. Well not I don't think before this, I don't think so. I think this oh. was her first Marvel Avengers movie. Oh, I always thought that she'd been in it before this, but yeah, you're probably right. Hmm. Interesting. She's been in uh Avengers movies since then. But I don't think she was in Thor. No, Howard yeah, no, I'm looking here. So yeah, this was her first one. Interesting. Yeah. And I thought she did a great job as playing this character. She also appeared in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a couple episodes, if I remember correctly. Um, yes, yep. And then Stellan Skarsgård reprises his role as Eric Svel something? Selvig? Yeah. Eric Lyncher. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> so he, he comes back as the, the quirky professor guy. So, yeah, and this is a Paramount film, and I think this is the first film where we start to see Disney put their paw prints all over in a, a Marvel Avengers film. I think this is where we start to see that transition from, you know, Paramount Studios, Universal Studios, and it starts to come into Disney Studios. We should probably do a, a segment on that in one of our episodes, you know, that whole transition, but not this time. Um... So this film fits in the overall timeline as it came after chronologically after Thor. So we see Thor ends and then this is a direct sequel to Thor. There is an infinity stone in this film, uh, the Tesseract. Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen the Tesseract since in the chronological timeline, uh, the first movie, Captain America, the first Avenger. And I don't think there's been any other infinity stones in between. Am Am I right? Yeah, no, yeah, this is the first one, and when you first saw it, you didn't even know what it was. You just, you know, knew it was powerful, but you didn't know it was an Infinity Stone. Right. I don't even know if you know in this film if it is or not, but you you recognize the Tesseract, and that it's, like you said, it has power, so. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, there isn't any other ones. There is a strong S.H.I.E.L.D. connection. Uh, the movie starts out in a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility. And we see Nick Fury, um, Clint Barton, who is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent at that time, as well as Agent Hill, Agent Coulson. So, you know, this is, I think, the first movie where we see 
Shield as a major player instead of just kind of in the background, you know, getting in the mix of things. I, I guess we saw a little bit of it in Thor, but here they're front and center. We also get to see the World Council for the first time. Uh, Nick Fury, you know, he, he goes off and meets with them via FaceTime or Skype or whatever you want to call it um, and talks with them and gets directions from them. So we see that even Nick Fury has a boss and that they're kind of running the show behind the scenes as well. And he also gets permission from them, from this council, to bring the Avengers together. Where before this movie, there weren't, they were just kind of, you know, Thor over here. Iron Man over there type thing. They weren't together until this movie, obviously. That's why it's called mm-hmm. The Avengers. <laughs> well, and they called it The Avenger Initiative, right? I mean, right. They, you kind of talked about that at the end of uh, one of the shows. Was it Iron Man 2? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and so – and they had initially scrapped it, right? They talked yeah. about that. They had initially said, nope, it, this is not a viable option, you know, yada, yada. But – then Nick Fury kind of brings it up. He's like, hey, I think it's time we do this. And, you know, the World Security Council kind of questioned him like, hey, you know, I thought, thought we ended it. But he said, well, we don't have time for all our other plans. So this is what we got. Yeah. yeah I wonder what their other plans were. Well, they were building those weapons. Remember? Uh, uh, um, the hydro who weapons? Was it? Found it. Yeah. Ca- Captain America found them. Mm-hmm. And he was, they were making weapons and Thor kind of. You know, berate him, say, I thought you guys were ready for, you know, to take the next step. And instead, you're here still making weapons. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So at that point, we kind of see, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., they bring everyone together. Bruce Banner, Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, Thor. I don't know if he, I think he just kind of shows up because they have Loki. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because Loki came to Earth and he knew it. Right. And so I think uh, Odin sent him back. Yeah. Uh, then Natasha Romanov's there, Clint Barton's there, but they're not necessarily part of the initial group. They get folded in later, but they're there alongside them. I think they're just considered like special agents at this time, mm-hmm. along with Coulson. Uh, so how does this film advance the overall story as we know it? Well, it takes all the origin stories that we've seen, the last five, and brings them all together, and we get our first Avengers movie, so pretty obvious but from here it takes a huge step forward the team learns how to work together they learn that they need to start trusting each other to uh, fend off these alien attacks you know these big world events you know they they're the ones that need to step up and and fix it or take care of it Um, we also see at the end of this film which we'll talk about a little bit later but we see thanos for the first time and kind of how he is there he's i don't know if he's directly involved well obviously he's not directly involved is he indirectly involved or is he just kind of watching things what what was your impression mark well i assume that thanos gave him the uh the mind stone right it wasn't thanos it was the the lackey that talks to thanos at the end yeah and he was the one that so i mean you assume that it was that Thanos was the one that made that happen though right okay Jim, so I assume that Thanos sent him back, but I'm not really sure the full reason like it's like, hey, I'm gonna go and slay humanity, okay, here, take this uh stone, like why does he care about humanity at this point? yeah, uh you know they really haven't done anything great, I mean, Thor came down, and there was some stuff with that, but you know, why would Thanos care about humanity? Yeah. And so that was never made clear to me. And um, But, you know, he gave it to him and he came down. So I'm sure Thanos was involved with that decision. It just, I don't know his motivations. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense that he was kind of pushing the, pushing Loki indirectly to take advantage. I think Earth is just part of his overall goal. And so he wants to subjugate earth and he i think they even mentioned it in the film that loki would you know be the ruler of earth but then he would ultimately answer to thanos mm-hmm. so um yeah character developments all over the place um each avenger i think that's what made this movie so successful and why it works so well is that each member of the avengers had to make a, a big decision you know they ultimately have to decide Hey, am I just going to sit back? Am I going to just be my own person and do my own thing? 
Or am I going to join up with these guys? Are we going to work together with these as a team? And that was kind of the overall purpose of this movie in my eyes is to get them to come together, figure out how to work together and, you know, kick butt when these aliens invade. You know, so they all had their, they were kind of prideful in their own way. Tony, obviously he's very, I don't know if it's self-centered is the right word, but he's very, um, in it for himself. Steve Rogers even had to decide if he wanted to join this fight or not. Um, Bruce Banner, you know, he, he's always balancing himself between, Hey, if I help out, the Hulk's going to come, it's going to happen. So do I want to help out or not? Um, and then we get Thor and, uh, Tony Stark. They're kind of, you know, tr- trying to be the biggest fish in the pond. They want to exert their will and you know, do things their way. And Steve Rogers has to, has to mediate that. Well, and they, we saw a pretty cool throwdown, right? Yeah. Between all three of them, uh, Thor and Stark kind of, you know, trade blows. And uh, to me, I think it was pretty clear that Thor would have eventually won, like pretty, pretty hands down. I think that he just kind of underestimated what humans were capable of. Right. Um, I don't know. I've always wondered how Thor and and um, Captain America would be, how that throwdown would go. Uh, like a physical fight? Yeah, because, I mean, Tony sto- stood toe-to-toe with Thor, and I think it's safe to say that uh, um, Tony got beat pretty handedly by Captain America. Yeah, later on uh, in Civil War. Yeah, later on, yeah. so I've always wondered what their throwdown. But yeah, they threw down. I think that was pretty neat. Loki's just sitting there watching, happy as days, and yeah. they throw down. And then, yeah, like you said, Captain America's got to come and and uh, restore some order to the children, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and our listener, Jason Penny from Vegas, he's on the Facebook Live video feed, and he made a good point. You know, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. They all want to be the one in charge. They're not willing to acquiesce to the other. Yeah. Yeah, too, you know, is that alpha male syndrome. Yeah, too many alpha males. Yeah. And I think that's a real real world um, issue, right? You got guys who can do the job. They do, they'll do it differently, but they'll get the job done. You bring those type of guys together and, you know, who's going to be the one in charge, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty applicable scenario, I think. Um, and even Natasha Romanoff, you know, she was a spy and she had to decide, is she going to come out of the shadows and, and be, a, a sol- <clears throat> be a soldier, you know, actively be a part of this fight? You know, so from top to bottom, everyone had to make that type of decision, so... And it was pulled off really well. It was written well. Dialogue was great. Um, the acting was great. So I think, you know, everyone had their moment of decision. You know, they had their work through their issues, which was great. A lot of great battles in this film. Uh, we start off with, um, I don't know if it's necessarily a battle, but Loki shows up, takes care of the of S.H.I.E.L.D. He takes the Tesseract and then blows up the base, basically, right, and escapes. Mm-hmm. So... There's, that was a pretty cool sequence, and then we got. Well, and here here's a weird thing, and I've wondered if anyone's ever asked about this. How was Nick Fury able to hold an Infinity Stone without <laughs> dying? Right. Yeah, you had mentioned that previously on a different podcast episode, and uh, so I watched for it when when it came on the scene, came on the screen, and I was like, "Yep, that's a good question." Because he, right, he straight out grabs it and puts it in his little bag or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, so I've always wondered, you know, why, what makes Nick Fury special? Is there something about him we just don't know yet? Is he like the, you know, the ace in the hole that, that's been in front of us the whole time? Yeah. I, I just don't know. Yeah. And I think, you know, the immediate question, so we, since we don't know that yet or we don't have that information yet, I think the immediate answer is, there was no skin to Tesseract contact. He had a glove on, and it was very brief. He grabs it, puts it in the bag. So uh, maybe if he held on to it a little bit longer, there'd be some issues or something would happen. Or if it was, you know, he didn't have his glove on, whatever the case may be. That's, so that's really the only answer I have right now or idea that I have right now. But I think that, that would be a, a pretty cool twist is later on down the road, maybe in this next Avengers movie, Avengers 3. You know, Nick Fury comes back and he has some power or some 
technique or skill set that we haven't seen before. I think that'd mm-hmm. be a good twist. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting. If you have any ideas, let us know. Let us know your theories about this. Yeah. We want to hear them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then the next kind of duel we see, it's more of just a, a quick conflict is when Loki is in, I think it's France or in Europe somewhere. And he... It's in Germany. Germany, okay. Mm-hmm. So he meets up with uh, Captain America and then Iron Man joins the fight which is really the first introduction on screen, you know, introduction that we see between Iron Man and Captain America. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. We get the sweet ACDC entrance. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, is like, epi- you know, it's like Tony's calling card. Anytime he's like showing up like epically, it's uh, to ACDC. Yep. Great moment there. <laughs> so then they're, they're able to subdue Loki and bring him into their ship. And on their way, Thor shows up. He comes in, and it, there's a, a fight between, like you had mentioned earlier, Iron Man and Thor go toe-to-toe, and Cap kind of shows up and calms things down, and Loki's just there watching the the battle. So I, I think the outcome of this battle is they just learn who they are, who each other, who they are, and what kind of powers they have. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sets up the scenario in the on the aircraft carrier where they're arguing in that room. It kind of is a precursor to that. And that was a pretty key moment in, in that on the aircraft carrier that we'll get to in a second. But, uh, yeah, I think Iron Man and Thor are pretty evenly matched. Um, I think they could have gone on and on if Cap hadn't, Captain America hadn't intervened. Mm-hmm. He, like, slaps him with his... Uh his shield right like throws it and he hits him both in the face <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep so from there they head off to the, the aircraft carrier everyone meets up there the aircraft carrier is actually a flying aircraft carrier which is pretty sweet it raises up into the sky and everyone meets together and they they kind of talk about what needs to be done how they need to join together and they don't really want to do that they're not too hot on that idea they can want to keep doing their own thing. And I don't I don't know if they really realize the extent or the, the grandness of the threat of attack. I think they know Loki's there and they got to deal with Loki, but I don't think they realize yet, you know, the do they realize about the aliens coming or does that come to them later? No, yeah, they have no idea about yeah. the Shatari. They, they just know that uh, um, Loki's showed up who knows what he's going to get into? Thor's only there to get Loki, so he doesn't know what's going on. It was just kind of uh, when it happened, then they were like, "Oh crap, what's going on now?" You know, like something something's happening. Yeah. So yeah, they they had no no idea. They they just thought it was about getting Loki, and everyone was, "I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'll be the one to bring him in." Yeah, as well as the Tesseract. That was kind of the next step for them. Was hey, we got Loki. Clint Barton and uh, the Professor Selvig is there. We need to get them, get the Tesseract. And then that was, you know, that's all they thought of right now because that's all they knew about. So with Loki being there, it kind of creates a lot of conflict and contention between all of them. And, you know, there there's the scene in the in that room, the kind of a lab type thing where, uh, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner are working together to try and figure out um, the staff, right? Or where the Tesseract is, is located. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, they're trying to find... Uh, uh, it emits a certain energy. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. Remember what it was, right? And the gamma that's radiation. When, yeah, Bruce Banner's like, yeah, have them set the gamma signals to whatever, um, you know, and they'll start narrowing it down but this is too where like they start seeing that not only does shield need their help but shield kind of fears them because they don't really know what they are are about you know maybe thor comes down and decides well i want to be god of this place you know or or whatever it is mm-hmm. and so this is you know that's when uh tony like kind of hacks into the mainframe yeah yeah it's interesting that he hacks into the mainframe and finds out about the weapons but then Cap, he does his own investig- investigative work, like you mentioned earlier, and finds the weapons. And they both come to the 
realization at the same time. So they kind of develop a little bit of respect for each other. Like, oh, I guess we're kind of on the same page. They don't trust Nick Fury or S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And then they start to argue. And I got the impression that it was Loki was kind of emitting some of his, like his power is to influence others' minds, to see things that aren't there, I guess. So I got the impression that he was kind of fueling that fire, that tension between all of them. Is that your impression, or did you think they were just kind of doing it on their own, the Avengers uh, arguing? I think it was both. Um, you know, I think I'm sure like had something to do with it as far as, you know, manipulating already felt emotions, uh-huh. you know, and it just kind of amplified it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, a lot of conflict there. They're arguing, and they all kind of look at Bruce Banner, and he's, you know, without realizing, grabbed the staff. And they're like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> Put that staff down. <laughs> and then they all, they all realize they need to take a break. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty intense part, especially because it was Bruce Banner that grabbed it. Yeah. Because they already fear him anyways. Yeah, they're all very wary of him. You know, Tony Stark makes the jokes, you know, hey, you know, don't, don't get angry type thing. But under that joking attitude, he's, <laughs> oh, he, he's that's he's, when he's like shocking him with that thing, right? He's like walking around yeah. and shocking him and like looking in his eyes. He's like, oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's he's legitimately afraid of him, and he just kind of wants to see where the boundaries are and what mm-hmm. happens. So he's kind of a, the X factor in this whole thing. <laughs> uh, so. Natasha Romanoff goes down to the holding cell and starts talking to Loki and Loki thinks he, you know, is able to control her or make her be afraid of him. But yet ultimately she realizes that Loki wants them all together as well as most importantly, Bruce Banner, because he wants Bruce Banner to change into the Hulk to just kind of ruin everything. So she realizes that gives a warning out to the rest of the team and I can't remember how Loki escapes, but he he tricks. Was it Thor? Thor. Yeah. Yeah, he does his little magic thing on him, and uh, switches places with him. This yeah. is where he kills Coulson. Yeah. Right. Yep. So does he that kill Coulson sad. first, and then Thor rushes down there, or does? No, he I, he switches places with him, like whatever he does, a little magic thing, and ejects Thor out. Right, and that's when Thor used his hammer to try to break it, and it just cracked, but it didn't break. Yeah. Which was kind of like, oh crap! These humans—they know—they know what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, then he ejected him out, and that's when Thor. Sh- that's when Coulson showed up, right, with his gun, his okay. Shatari gun. That's right. Or not Shatari, but his super sweet weapon. Yeah. So <clears throat> he does hit, or Loki does trick Coulson and stabs him. But I think doesn't uh, Coulson get in a shot? Yeah, he's able to shoot him. Yeah. Uh, like after he gets stabbed, he says something to him. He's like, says something about his gun, and Coulson yeah. says something when he back and shoots him through the wall. Yeah, that's right. Which, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, and this is the moment when um, Hawkeye shows up with his team. He's still under the mind control of Loki, and they're infiltrating the ship, trying to get. Um, what are they? What were they trying to do? Download some data or? Something, yeah. They were after some information, digital information. Yeah, they were because they shot that thing, right? Because Clint at this time, Clint uh, is under there, is working for Loki, right? Because yeah. Loki had, like took over his mind, and and so he like shot something in there. But maybe they weren't trying to download something. Maybe they were just trying to take down the helicarrier. Yeah, I could hear it. So, yeah, they show up, cause chaos, and this is when Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk and starts chasing Romanoff, but she's able to escape, and Thor shows up, and then they have their their epic battle in the ship. And yeah, and this is the first time we get to see the new Hulk, right? Yeah. Because uh, uh, this is, uh, th- the other one we saw was uh, Edward Norton. And uh, I really like that Hulk. So I was, always, I was kind of brought down when I saw this one. But he was still big and strong and mean. And 
I mean, he tore through that ship like nobody's business, right? I mean, (laughs) he threw down with Thor. We got to see a Thor versus Hulk fight. And I think Thor had more than he could handle. Oh, yeah. Um, And so, you know, he kept getting grabbed and thrown away. And then the only way they they were able to get him off the ship was to piss him off and have him go after a a, um, a jet, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was – no, that was intense to see – to see that, but it was cool to see too. He couldn't lift up Thor's hammer, no matter how strong he was. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so he Hulk jumps out of the ship on that that plane, that jet, and then eventually falls to the ground. And then he's out of the picture. Then Iron Man and Cap have to learn how to work together to save the ship and trust each other, which they end up doing. Uh, eventually, at you know Tony almost dies in that propeller chamber i guess and but he's able to with the help of captain america is able to escape no it was uh i think it was cool too because i think this showed really the differences between tony and captain america and really showed why captain america is in charge right why they all kind of start deferring to him later because you know he shows that you know his resilience and you know his right to do good no matter what you know and tony he's like kind of afraid he's like look you know i'm not a soldier yeah. You know, like I could die here, like, and I think it's just important to to really show the differences between Tony and and Captain America and and their motivations and why they are what they are. And uh, I think it was an eye opener for Tony as well, you know, because you know he's always kind of believed in his own invincibility, and here he is, he's not the top of the food chain anymore; he's just part of it. And so I think I think that was a pretty important part to, you know, right after Coulson died and they have that talk and try to figure it out and save everything. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think we see uh, Iron Man or Tony start to respect Steve a little bit more here. Um, well, then we also get uh, Clint Barton and Natasha Romanov. They have a little duel, but, you know, to be fair, Clint's under the spell of Loki still and they are able to capture him. And bring him out of that trance or mind control that he that he's in. So, I in the in the later movies we see that Romanov and Barton are friends. I didn't really get that impression in this film, though. I mean, they knew each other, but they weren't like Natasha's been to his house, met his wife and kids, and all that. And I didn't get that deep of a connection in this film with them. So. Yeah, the only thing they really showed is the very, very first of the movie, right? When she's being interrogated, uh-huh. right? And then she's uh, Coulson calls her and is like, they took Clint. And she's uh-huh. like, okay, I'm out of here, you know? So you yeah. got that impression that they knew each other. You just didn't know what. So, yeah, they they tend to show that they do know each other, which but they don't really delve into it too much. And I think they just decided to develop that later as the films progressed. Mm-hmm. And then, so we talked about how Agent Coulson dies, and his death kind of galvanizes the Avengers and brings them together, and it, with a little bit of manipulation from Nick Fury and the the cards, right? They kind of, because of that event, that death, they realize that you know this is serious. We got to figure out a way to work together, or more people are going to die. Mm-hmm. So I think it, that's the turning point for them when they, you know, start to realize how serious it is yeah oh yeah for sure um i mean you can see it and you can tell they're broken i mean thor's been lost you know he's off got thrown away in that capsule um (laughs) iron man iron man and uh captain america are fighting you know and it's just kind of like a sad part it's like a like like they have to come like make an identity for themselves, you know? And, uh, you know, and it was like something Nick Fury couldn't do for them. Yeah. And so it was kind of a trial by fire for him. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion in this part of the film where we got this anger, this tension, this conflict, then there's a, you know, a battle and then there's a death and then there's a lot of sadness. So you kind of run, the range of emotion from arguing to awesomeness to sadness. So 
that I think that comes through really really well in this film and helps um, helps make it better. I mean, there's not just action all the time or jokes all the time. You know, there's there's emotions involved, which is great. And I think they they eventually go away from that in later films, and I think that's part of the problem of the modern day Marvel films, some of them anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they are able to repel the attack momentarily then they realize hey the tesseract is in new york and it's on stark tower we need to go there and i think yeah in a previous episode you had brought up how the the new element that they're using what is it called oh vibranium vibranium is the they're using it to power stark tower right with clean energy yeah, they're using it like in chemical form or something to that nature, if I remember right. Because they're using it in the like the way he uses his arc reactor, yeah. and the arc reactor is powered by the vibranium. Yeah, and you had mentioned that they were underwater doing something, and and that's that's this movie. Like I hadn't remembered that when you said it, but then when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, that's this part. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that in uh, to tie it into. <laughs> the last Iron Man podcast um, Iron Man 2 but um, yeah so there Selvig is on Stark Tower on the top there setting up a portal they're using the Tesseract and the Tesseract's you know ultimate energy to be able to open this portal to bring in this alien army and what was their their uh, race name uh, the Shatari, Shatari I think is how you pronounce it yeah the Shatari okay so that's what he's doing, and they set up a force field around it that can't be penetrated. So, uh, and then Loki's there as well. So the Avengers go to New York to try and I don't know. Do they know that they're opening a portal to bring in an alien army, or they're just trying to still get the Tesseract at this point? Yeah, they're just trying to cover the Tesseract. I don't think that they knew until it opened. They yeah. were like, oh, crap, you know, because then Tony is just kind of – it was really before too many other people had arrived, and he's just trying to hold them off, and he's like, man, where's my team, you know? <laughs> like, hurry the heck up. Yeah, so this alien army shows up, and it's just – like you said, Tony's like, what is going on? He takes action, waiting for the other guys to show up, um, Steve Rogers, Thor, and Romanoff show up, and Barton – and they start, you know, this is the Battle of New York. It changes everything in the Avengers universe. In the, all the ongoing films, TV shows, you know, from ABC to Netflix, they all refer to this battle. And this is kind of where we see everything change. We see a mm-hmm. need for the Avengers. So pretty, pretty pivotal moment in this universe's history. But, you know, a lot of great scenes with this. Uh, you got, you know, the... The Avengers fighting individually. We got them fighting together. We got two or three fighting together. We got the whole team fighting together. So a lot of great shots. I think there's a a shot kind of towards the end of the battle where it's kind of a circular. It goes around in a circle and they're all, all the team members are there and they all strike their pose. And it's, you know, it's just this money shot for this movie, right? We got all the Avengers in their, their armor, their, their gear, they're fighting, you know, the enemy, and it's you know this moment that's that was forever. sweet too, yeah. right? Because uh, Hulk is yelling, he's like ah, you know, yeah. screaming, and they're like, uh, Thor brings up his uh, you know hammer, and like they're all like geared up, like that was like the hero moment, you know. Every show has a hero moment, you know, like yep. Superman kind of always had his like sideways look with his <laughs> unfailing hair touch, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, and. Yep. Just uh, Wolverine had his thing where he ripped out his claws and he'd flex and, you know, like you dream of the day you could look like him kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, this was the hero moment. It was pretty epic. I did like that part. Yeah. It, uh, like, got you fired up. You're like, oh, yeah, it's it's going down. Yep. So it, it was uh, – that was a really well-filmed part. I mean, whoever came up with that little – that thing, I mean, give them a medal because that was amazing. Yeah, I agree. And in this battle, we we see Steve Rogers start to take charge. You know, he becomes the leader. He's barking out orders. He's come up with strategies. 
he's telling you know Tony to do this, Hawkeye to do that, Romanoff to do you know this other thing. So that's when Steve Rogers starts to rise to the top and start to be the leader of this group. I mean, he's the one with military experience. He's the one that's trained for you know battle. So he it's his his element. He's in his element, and it's his moment. And um, the battle's pretty. I wouldn't say even. But it, they're not getting destroyed. The Shatari are kind of, they're just too many of them, basically. But then Hulk shows up, and it, that's when the, the battle starts to turn. You know, he just oh goes on a rampage. And just oh, my goodness, everything. right? Yeah. He, uh, I mean, and it only took just, you know, one thing from uh, Captain America. He's like, Hulk, <laughs> smash. Yeah. And Hulk, you know, got a smile on his face. His blood got pumping in. Those poor Shatari, I mean, he just ripped through them. Yeah. There's just nothing they could do to even slow him down. He was taking out their big worm things. Yep. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing to yeah. see like, the power of Hulk. Right. Yeah, I think we saw a little bit of that in The Incredible Hulk, but we really see just what he can do in this movie. And it's it's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then that's I mean that all comes back when when uh, Tony said that he's like I've got an army. He's like we've got a Hulk. Right. <laughs> he's like, I yeah, get, we're not worried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bring every army you want. I mean, good luck with the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. So he evens the odds pretty much and turns the tide for the rest of them to be able to you know overcome the, the Shatari as well. Um, my question while watching this is. You know, why now in this battle he's able to take orders and to work with a team, but yet on the aircraft carrier he he wasn't having any of it. He was just after people, right? He was chasing down Romanov, chasing down Thor. You know, he was just out of control. So why why now is he like, yeah, I'll follow your orders, Captain America? You know, what what changed? What do you think? I think it's because when he turned to Hulk unwillingly, like, right, when he was on the plane, it was kind of like something that just changed in him. He couldn't stop it. Uh-huh. That Hulk is, like, more in control. Like, he, he's in the driver's seat 100%. But I think when he changes into the Hulk purposefully, he has a little bit more control. So that, like, when, you know, he says Hulk smash, he's a little bit more guided, you know. He's, like, he's still the Hulk and he's still just this raging ball of fire that's tough to control, but it's like a controlled fire as opposed to just a wildfire that goes anywhere and everywhere. And Because I've thought about that, too, and that's the only thing I can come up with is that, with, is that when I'm seeing him turn unwillingly, he's just uncontrollable, but... Yeah. But otherwise, he seems a little bit better. I mean, we see that in Thor Ragnarok, right, where he's you know conversing and talking and uh, a lot of it, a lot better. But it's I think it's all that's all because he's turned willingly into to Hulk. So that that's what I I think that could be way off base, and maybe I'm reaching for an answer there. But uh, other than that, I have no idea because it would it doesn't really make sense why, like you said, he's you know so team oriented in this moment and the next next moment he's killing everyone yeah no i think that's a good point i mean he didn't change until steve asked him to then he took orders from steve to you know smash so i guess you know there's a thread of connection there so that could be that could be the answer that makes sense Mm -hmm. so and before he had turned into the hulk on the aircraft carrier after they'd been arguing Against, you know, everybody was arguing against everybody. So there's a lot of, you know, unsettling feelings. And that could have been what fueled his rage to just attack everybody. So I don't Yeah. So that's, I guess that's the answer for now. Uh, so while they're battling, uh, the council, this world council that we saw earlier, they decide to launch a nuke to destroy Manhattan and the aliens. That's their answer. Uh Nick Fury doesn't want to do it because of all, obviously all the loss of life. The Avengers are on that island on Manhattan. And he, he feels like he should give them more time to try and defeat the, this attack. But the council overrides him and they end up launching the nuclear missile. And But Tony Stark's able to intercept it. 
And a big moment for Tony Stark as he directs it into the portal. And he has to fly into the portal onto the other side to be able to do this. You know, once he goes in through the portal, you know, we see the, the, extents, the extensive uh, attack that they have planned. You know, so far what they've already gone, let through the portal is just a small portion of this Shatari attack. You know, there's tons more coming. Mm-hmm. So he's able to, to direct that nuclear missile into the portal, send it off towards their main ship, and then he falls back through the portal. And as he does so, the, the ship, this alien ship, is destroyed by the missile. And he barely makes it through the closing of the portal, obviously. Uh, so pretty intense moments there as they try and figure out how to repel this attack. We see the the lengths and the extent that the council will go to to, you know, take action. They're willing to sacrifice millions of people. Um, do we ever... I know we see the council more in... Is it Captain America Civil War? Or no, it's... Uh, uh, it's the next Captain America. Yeah, Winter the, uh, Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so they... This is But this is the first time we see them on screen in a film. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know much about them, but they they're there. Yeah, yeah, they're making decisions, but you don't really know where that power comes from. Yeah. Like who made that decision? You know, they're just in charge, like randomly. I I, I don't really know the ifs and ands, but but I think that they're all Shield members. Like they're the leadership of Shield. I don't necessarily think they're like world leaders, hmm. okay. because that's what happens later, right? In uh, in the Civil War is that they become uh, they become members, you know, run by like a world organization. So I think that those that leadership are, are shield members, like the senior leadership of shield. I don't think that they're um, they're anything more than that. So um, because when shield falls, you never hear from them again. They're never around. Okay. So so I, I think that that they're just uh Senior, like senior shield founders or some of the older members that were there when it was originally started and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so yeah, they, they're able to defeat the, the alien attack. They capture Loki. I mean, Hulk pretty much manhandles Loki in that moment that everyone remembers where he just beats the crap out of Loki, smashes him into the ground <laughs> 20 times. Just like, puny god just like manhandles him right yeah and the best part i'm telling you i know this is out of this this scope of this podcast but the best part in thor ragnarok is when loki's like you see it hurts like because <laughs> he does it to thor right yeah <laughs> like it was like the best part but i mean that's neither here nor there but uh no yeah i mean he walked through loki like nothing yeah yeah it was pretty sweet uh, so yeah, Loki's captured uh, by, Th- and Thor takes him back to Asgard along, along with the Tesseract, and then the, the in the aftermath of this battle, of the destruction, uh, the Avengers are mostly celebrated, and you know most everyone's happy that they came and were able to intervene and save them, but there's a lot of skepticism still. You know, it's kind of like, well, if they weren't, if we didn't have them in the first place, these guys wouldn't have shown up to attack us anyway so you know can we trust the avengers you know a lot of negativity there which isn't really true because i looked it up um and the reason that loki came to earth was to take the tesseract so loki was coming to take it regardless of the avengers i think the shatari were just there in case the avengers put up a fight right so why didn't he come grab the tesseract which he did and then just leave. Well, I think because he wanted to rule Earth, and with or without the Tesseract, the Avengers still exist. You know what I mean? So eventually he's going to have to fight that yeah. fight. Yeah. So I think it's Plus like, oh, well, I'm here. Let's do it. But that's a good question. I, well, I, I think he, really know. he'd been exiled, so he didn't have anywhere to go. Initially, he was going to take over Asgard, right? He did take over Asgard. Mm-hmm. But then he got defeated. He got thrown off the edge of the Bifrost. Rainbow Bridge, and you know he didn't have anywhere to go. He was a king without a country type thing. So he's like, "Oh, I guess I'll go to Earth." They're primitive, so I think I think I think that's the answer. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Plus, the Tesseract was there, so it's kind of a double mission. They'll grab the Tesseract and take over this planet, mm-hmm. have people to rule. That's true. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, after that, the Avengers kind of separate and go their different ways because this council wants them arrested or taken into custody or something. They weren't happy either, which is kind of weird. It's like, well, they just saved everybody, so <laughs> why are you giving them crap? You know, but they feel like they have to separate and go their different ways. Thor obviously goes back to Asgard. Tony goes back to his tower, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Bruce Banner goes back into hiding wherever he is, you know, just doing his thing. Yeah. Um, Captain America. I mean, I think Tony and Captain America were probably the only ones that were really well-known, like, day-to-day. Yeah. But I think everyone else was pretty much like a like a shadow. Clint probably went back home with his family that nobody knows where it is. And Natasha did what Natasha does. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of the, the movie in a nutshell. There were some pretty cool uh, events that happened throughout that we kind of touched on, but I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah, what? So the the Shatari, is it the Shatari leader? That gives Loki the staff at the beginning, or is it someone else entirely? I think it was him, that Shatari leader guy. Like, uh, what's his name? But he was—he's like, like the major domo for uh, for Thanos. Yeah, yeah, I don't know his name, but yeah, he's the one communicating with Thanos. He gives Loki the staff to get the Tesseract, so he's specifically tasked with getting it. And they promise to give Earth to Loki. If to rule once he if he does it so mm-hmm. I guess that answers that question that we had earlier and then so what is this isn't the staff in a, an infinity stone don't we find out later yeah it's one of the infinity stones it's the mind stone yeah. which is why he's able to use it to take over the minds of those people yes that's right okay and, and the tesseract is known as the space stone yeah so at one point Loki had two infinity stones yeah and I'm thinking, like, I really think if he would have taken over Earth, he would have just kept him. Yeah, I can see him doing that. Huh, interesting. Uh, and then we talked about how Stark uses, Tony Stark uses his arc reactor's new, newly designed arc reactor to power Stark Tower with clean energy. We saw that at the beginning. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to use the Tesseract for themselves to create, they say, renewable energy. But then we also find out that they are using it to develop weapons. Mm-hmm. Kind of what we saw in Captain America, the first Avenger with Hydra. Uh, it comes up that the Avengers initiative was scrapped, but I don't remember that happening. Was that what happened at the end of Iron Man two or did it happen off screen? Uh, I, I guess in Iron Man two, they just told him that he wasn't like that. Yeah. Iron Man would be eligible, but not Tony Stark, even right. though they're one in the same. Um, but it doesn't say anything necessarily about being it being scrapped. Yeah. But I think it, you know, at that point he was like the only one around, right? Captain America really hadn't been thought out yet, and be, become Captain America, and so so yeah, I think that yeah, I just think that at that point that it was scrapped because there really wasn't an Avengers yet. They didn't really have a group. Yeah. Bruce Banner was in the wind. Thor wasn't on Earth, you know what I mean? But as soon as they could bring them together, it was like, oh, here they are. You know, even though it was scrapped, I mean, here they are. Gotcha. So let's, let's do it. Yeah. And I guess they were trying to bring Tony Stark in in Iron Man 2. That's why they gave him that chest of mm-hmm. mementos from his dad. So I guess they were just trying to – the initiative was trying to bring them together. And then they realized that Stark was too much of a loose cannon and they were like we talked about in the last episode with uh, Blonsky. They wanted to use him instead of Banner since they couldn't <laughs> find Banner. Sounds like so. I think it was just too much, too many ifs, not enough concrete, you know, leads or information to be able to create the Avengers. So maybe that's why they scrapped it. Yeah. Then it comes out that Bruce Banner tried to use gamma rays to rec- recreate Capt- the Captain America super soldier again. And that's how, obviously, he got um, exposed to it and turned into the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And let's see. There's that moment when Th- Thor and Iron Man were fighting in the woods at night. And Thor's hammer slams on Captain America's vibranium shield and creates pretty powerful blast. That was pretty cool. 
so we find out in this movie, we talked a little bit about it, that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s developing these Tesseract-fueled weapons in anticipation of an alien invasion. But it's not necessarily the Shatari, it's just, you know, aliens. Like, Thor showed up, and they're like, hey, here's this guy, he's pretty powerful, we need to uh, come up with a defense against something like that. So Thor kind of forced their hand to be able to do, you know, take action and do something. Uh, then the moment you've talked about it a couple of times throughout our, our podcast episodes, how when Earth started using the Tesseract, you know, um, the Red Skull used it first. Mm-hmm. And then they started, you know, in modern day, they started, S.H.I.E.L.D. started using it to do experiments, create weapons or whatever. Uh, that's kind of signal to the rest of the galaxy that Earth is ready for this higher form of war. And that's why we start to see more things happening on Earth. And you had, you've talked about that in the past. Mm-hmm. That this movie kind of confirms that that idea. Yeah, and then it kind of put a put them on the map more that here, like because it sounds like the Shatari were a well known army. People knew who they were, and it was also well known that they attacked Earth and lost. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they were fought back. And it's not that they were fought back by an army. They were fought back by eight, <laughs> eight people. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, <laughs> well then. Yep. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely had a, a galaxy-wide impact, you know, the, mm-hmm. the outcome of this war. Uh, and then we see Tony Stark and Steve Rogers have their first confrontation. And this is kind of notable because they never really get over it, right? They're always arguing. I mean, the Captain America's Civil War is basically the end, their last argument, right? So it's just mm-hmm. they're, never, they're never able to move past each other. They're always at odds with each other, at least up until this point. I think in Avengers 3, we'll see some resolution resolution to that, hopefully. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's just their... Their ideologies are so in opposition of each other. You know, uh, I think Tony's so self-absorbed. I mean, he's willing to sacrifice, you know, but he's really self-absorbed, you know, and he's doing it because he has the power to do it, whereas I think Captain America, he's not self-absorbed. He's, you know, all about sacrifice. He's, you know, like the Jesus-type figure in this, you know, and, like, he doesn't fight against it because he has power to do so he fights against it because it's the right thing to do he wanted to go to war in world war ii knowing he didn't have the strength the skill or the stamina but that was the right thing to do to fight against an oppressive group you know so like their ideologies are just so opposite that it would be hard for them to ever get along yeah yep and that's good character development that's good writing i mean to use those two, they're main, they're big players in this film universe, and you would think that they were friends, right? They they work together. I don't I don't think they're necessarily friends. So, some great uh, moments that they have. So it'll be interesting to see how they wrap their stories up, because you know, like we've talked about before, like you've mentioned, um, Chris Evans, as a, you know, after Avengers four, that's his last movie, as far as contract wise maybe they re-sign his con- to a new contract or restructure it or whatever but you know as it stands they've already restructured it to include him in these last two avenger movies i believe mm-hmm. so i mean what's going to happen you know is robert downey jr going to continue to play tony stark or are they going to write him out i mean who knows so i think they'll have to come to some sort of resolution for these characters mm-hmm. but it creates a lot of great moments for us to talk about that's for sure Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so the Stanley moment, uh, there's actually two, but there's only one in the actual film release. Uh, at, at the end, when you know the Avengers have won, the Shatari got repelled. They're interviewing a lot of people on the news. There's a lot of news coverage of this event, and Stanley's he's interviewed. He's a character plays a character that's interviewed on this one of the news channels, and he just has a line that he says, "Superheroes in New York, <laughs> give me a break." <laughs> He's very skeptical of that, which is pretty humorous. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a deleted scene on one of the in this film, there's an extended scene of Steve Steve Rogers in the kind of in the beginning, where he's watching old prom, promotional propaganda videos of Captain America 
from that first film. And he's looking at old files of his team from the war. And, you know, he's looking at the files and there's the stamp on it that says deceased. So he's feeling kind of melancholy, sad that they've moved on. He didn't have a chance to say goodbye to them. But then we see a file for Peggy Carter that she's not deceased. And it specifically shows him looking at her address. So he's like, hmm, maybe I'll go pay her a visit. But we don't see that in this film. Uh, but it's, so he's, then it cuts to him walking around the city and kind of filling out a place with all this new technology, new fashion. You know, he's just a fish out of water, basically. And he goes to Grand Central Station. He talks to a waitress there at a cafe. And this is the waitress that later on after the Battle of New York, she's all Steve Rogers. Yeah, Steve Rogers, Captain America. He saved my life. He's awesome. And we, she's just kind of out of the blue. But in watching this deleted scene, we kind of see that they knew each other, that they were talking to each other, so it makes more sense. But So he, they kind of flirt with each other, and she leaves, takes his order and leaves. And Stan Lee's sitting at the table next to him, and he's all, you moron. And he tells him, you know, tells him to get her number. Like, get her number and give her a call, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> so... Then after that, he goes to the gym and starts punching the punching bag. And that's the part we see in the film. It picks mm-hmm. up from there. So, Any comments on that? Uh, I haven't seen him. Okay. I haven't seen the deleted scenes. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I got, I got nothing. That sounds cool. I'll have to watch them. <laughs> yeah. I only watched a couple and this was the most uh, informative, I guess you could say. Uh, there's an after credit scene where this main Shatari leader reports the failure to Thanos, and then we see Thanos for the first time. There's no dialogue. It just kind of shows his face as he turns around. He's smiling, right? Smiling, yep. Everybody freaks out in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And that's kind of a mid credit scene. And then an after credit scene, we see the Avengers gathered around a table eating shawarma. <laughs> yeah, shawarma. There's a shawarma restaurant just down the road. Yeah. <laughs> And so it was hinted at in the film, and this is kind of them following up on that. What is shawarma? I don't know. <laughs> I've never. I mean, it must be amazing. I know. I like, kind of want to if try. I almost like I almost died, and then <laughs> Thor made me junk my pants in an iron suit to wake up and not die. Like, and I'm talking about shawarma. That stuff better be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have yeah. to try it. And it's presumably right after the battle happened, like. The battle's over, and that's when Tony says, hey, there's a shawarma restaurant. So I'm assuming they went there right after, because they're all dirty and have ripped clothing or whatever. So One thing that I I just remembered while watching this film is, you know, there's this. they spent a lot of time fighting around Grand Central Station. And when we went to New York Comic Con one year, we stayed at a, a friend's apartment that was like two blocks from there. Mm -hmm. So throughout that whole movie, when they're flying around, running around, fighting, you know, they're showing places that we actually walked through, walked by, you know, every day, twice a day for like a whole, like four or five days. Right. So that was pretty cool to see all that. I mean, you can kind of tell that it's not really Grand Central Station, but (laughs) there's a lot of similarities. So that was Mm kind of cool to to see that and remember, you know, hey, we we were there. We went to New York Comic Con. We spent some time there. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's it for the Avengers. Uh, there is a one shot that I want to go over briefly. Um, it's called Item Forty Seven, and it's basically a young couple after this Battle of New York. A young couple finds one of the weapons that the Shatari were using, and they use it to start robbing some banks. And they rob a bunch of banks, get a lot of money, and we see that Jasper Sitwell is investigating this. He, since Agent Coulson dies. Sitwell takes over Agent Coulson's position, and he is kind of a, the lead man of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. But he ends up investigating, you know, Benny and Claire. Benjamin, I think, is his name, and Claire. They're, they're the, the vigilant, they're the Bonnie and Clyde type thing. And they, they're using the weapon, and he apprehends them in a hotel room. And Claire tries to shoot a, a hole in the wall or something. But she ends up shooting the money. So all this money that they had robbed over the past <laughs> week or so gets destroyed. And they're like, oh, man, why'd you do that? But the next thing we see is that um, Benny and Claire were brought into S.H.I.E.L.D. to help fix weapons. You know, to study the, the weapon they do have and try to develop new technology from that. 
So item 47 is the name of the one shot, and it's also what they call this weapon that they found. Hmm. Have you watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. lately? Not lately. Oh, I, I thought you were a fan, my bad. <laughs> I, it's, I think I stopped watching after the third season, but I have wanted to get back. I think part of it was they'd, they'd chill a couple episodes, and they got, they got that long winter break for like four months. You know, so it's kind of hard to maintain an interest in, in any TV show really nowadays because they have these yeah. super long breaks. So I was just kind of waiting for it to get over and then I'll watch it on Netflix. That's why we like Netflix, right? Because they just put them all out and yep. like it's amazing. Yeah. So then at the end of this one shot, they have the credit scenes, but they're showing that Benny created several prototypes from the weapon that from this weapon. And I think we actually see a couple of them later on in the films. So kind of an interesting side story, but not really pertinent to the overall. I think the the biggest thing is we see that Sitwell becomes the agent in charge as, as he takes over Coulson's position. And that's probably the biggest thing we get out of this one shot. But it's entertaining, you know, 10, 15. Well, and that comes into play in the next one, right? And uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he plays a part in that. He's also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a bit, right? Sitwell? I don't remember him being in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, maybe not. I thought there was a crossover there for a couple it of It might have been. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen the first season. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's The Avengers. And I thought as a overall addition to this series, the Avengers series that we're up to, Film number 18 right now, and Avengers Infinity War will be film 19. I thought it was a a worthy addition to this series. Uh, A lot of good information, a lot of good action scenes, character development, all these things we just talked about. And I like it. It's a good film. Holds up well, you know, what, six years later. It's still entertaining, fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And I recommend it wholeheartedly. I think for me, I'd give it an A-. Just a couple things here and there, but overall, great film. Yeah, you know, no, overall pretty good. I gave it a B plus. Um, I gave points, took point, points away for the Edward Norton replace. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I love Edward Norton. Uh, you know, a couple other things, a couple weird storyline plot points, you know, that I thought were strange that have been explained. But yeah, it was a good show. You can't go wrong with it. I think it's great first time they we really get to see any movie that they just bring all these heroes together and, and they make it gel pretty well. Yeah. And, uh, and I did enjoy it. So definitely a must see uh, great to the storyline. Great. You know, a lot of information here. Yeah. And I don't remember, I remember seeing it in theaters, but for some reason I didn't run out and see it opening weekend. I remember I wanted to see it. And I remember talking to some friends who had, who weren't really big comic book nerds like like we are. And they're like, yeah, you should go see it. It's pretty good. And I was like, hmm, yeah, okay, maybe I will. <laughs> so <laughs> looking back, I find that kind of weird that I wasn't like, you know, opening night or opening weekend watching this film. But yeah, so I don't know how you were. I don't think we went and saw this one together. We did go see the next Avengers together, but I don't think we saw this one. No, I think I was in uh, uh, Colorado wrestling when this uh, came out. Okay, that could be it. But yeah, I eventually did see it, loved it. I uh, went back and saw it again in theaters, then obviously bought it on, on home video. So uh, a lot of hype with this movie. I think it was one of the first Avenger films to break. Did it break a billion dollars? I think it did. I think it's part of the Billion Dollar Club. Is it? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure it did. But yeah, great. Did well uh, box office-wise, critic-wise, fan-wise. So over, overall, uh, a big success. So uh, We want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Credible Nerds podcast in our Marvel Avengers review series. And definitely check us out on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even Pinterest. Uh, just search for Credible Nerds and you'll find us. Follow us contribute the conversation we're usually posting stuff definitely check out our podcasts on itunes google podcasts stitcher um pretty much any podcast app you'll find us there or even on spotify so uh, support us on patreon 
Uh, all our shows are on patreon.com slash the credible nerds. You can join us there. We have exclusive episodes, exclusive bonus content that you can only find there. So check us out there and support us. We'd really appreciate it. We want to thank you guys for joining us here on this podcast and we'll catch you next time. See you guys.